Way too many first responders are struggling with their fitness, health, and body goals, but you're not alone in that fight. I'm Ted with Fit Responder and with 11 years experience in law enforcement, as well as being a fitness coach for over 15 years myself. I've created some free resources as well as one-to-one professional fitness coaching for first responders. So I want you to check us out, fitresponder.com, or look us up on Instagram at fit.responder. That's fit, period, responder. And let's see you there. Chat soon. Thanks, and enjoy the podcast. The Poorly Made Police podcast is for entertainment purposes only. This podcast has explicit content and is meant for mature audience. The views expressed on this poorly made podcast reflect the opinions of the guest and host. They do not reflect the opinion of any department or entity. Nothing on this poorly made podcast should be construed as legal or marital advice. If something offends you, I kindly invite you to lighten the fuck up. If you want to support this very poorly made podcast, click the link at the end of the description and become a monthly sponsor of the podcast. Or buy yourself some nice poorly made police memes merch. Not only does it look good on you, it's also a favorite of wives, exes, children, nurses, nuns, IA investigators, defense attorneys, and the chief. And of course, take care of the fine sponsors of this podcast. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the orgasmic sound of a Crown Vic. Hey there, welcome to another edition of the Very Poorly Made Police Podcast. I'm your host, Lenny. I hope you guys are all doing well. Speaking of well, we're going to talk about wellness today. We're going to get a little uncomfortable. I mean, uncomfortable like me trying to fit into my fucking pants because I'm a fat piece of shit. You guys just heard from Ted, and you're going to hear from him again. He was my guest on this uh, podcast. Obviously, because of what he does, there's a big emphasis on fitness It's not a fucking infomercial, all right? There's a lot of good information in here about being healthy and just some things to think about. We talk about, you know, his policing career, how he came up, how it ended. He also changed states. He's got a really good head on his shoulder, a lot of good insight. I think you guys will really enjoy this episode. I really, really enjoyed it. I enjoyed making it, and I enjoyed listening back. I think you guys will enjoy this episode. I really enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I think it's going to help keep me accountable. With that said... Let's listen to a little bit of music, y'all, and we'll get fucking rolling. How do you guys feel about a little bit of Greenwood, a.k.a. Brownlow? I'm good with it, too. And we'll be right back with podcast. Now welcoming to the dungeon, the man, the myth, the legend, with one of the top mustaches on police social media, I have Ted from Fit Responder. How are you, buddy? I'm doing great. Appreciate the compliment. How are you, man? I am doing good, man. Thanks for asking. 
I, I brought up the mustache and I don't people that don't follow your page, A, go follow your page, but B, do you think there's anybody out there that has a comparable mustache? I just I got a buddy that has a pretty good one, but I think you even have that one beat. Well, yeah, I appreciate it. I mean, I'm open to any challenges. Uh, I think that'd be pretty funny. So if anyone thinks they have a more legit, uh, thicker, whatever you want to say, mustache, uh, send me a message and we'll have a stash off. We'll put in my story. We can vote on it. But uh, no, I mean, I guess it's a, it's one good thing I have going for me. So <laughs> now the mustache lends me to believe that maybe you wanted to be a firefighter initially and it didn't work out. No, I mean, I, I didn't even have a thought about being a firefighter initially. And uh, but I get that all the time. People come up to me on the street, whatever. Hey, you must be a firefighter. I'm like uh, the mustache. Right. So no, no aspirations of being a firefighter, although there's uh, some nice perks to that job for sure. Before we started recording, you mentioned that, you know, you, you've had it for a while and haven't had a thought of shaving it off because your kids wouldn't recognize you. I was going to tell you. I've uh, since I got off the job, I've turned into a little bit of a slob and I don't shave nearly as much as I should. But when I shaved my I had a pretty nasty beard going on around Christmas time last year and I shaved it off and my youngest wouldn't stop crying for like a day because he didn't recognize me. Yeah, you just transformed into some creep living in your house. That's weird. A clean shaven, dressed up creep, but whatever, baby. <laughs> right. Well, let's let's talk about you a little bit, man. Tell the millions of listeners a little bit about, you know, how long you were cop for and what you're all about now. Yeah, for sure. Um, so my name is Ted Stern. Uh, I was a cop out in Southern California for Ventura County Sheriff. I worked for about 11 years, um, did a bunch of different assignments. Absolutely loved being a cop um, and uh, actually got promoted um, pretty recently toward the end of my career. And um, I have been a fitness coach for quite some time. Um, both my wife and I started out as personal trainers, you know, around 18 years old. And I've coached a lot of people over the years with their fitness, their nutrition, their lifestyle, and just helping them get in shape. Um, so, you know, there's periods of times where I didn't have clients and just focused on, you know, police work and whatnot. And uh, uh, I had... I started just picking up more clients and and I especially started helping a lot of people uh, on our department, just get in better shape and get fit. It's kind of a passion of mine. And, um, you know, word spreads when people get fit and healthy and they look better and everything else. People say, what, Hey, how are you doing that? And uh, so that really picked up steam. So my wife and I were doing it as kind of a side gig. You know, we were both deputies. I actually met her on the job. Um, and just more and more people kept coming. And, uh, you know, as fate would have it, I got a pretty serious injury at work, like really snapped my ankle uh, quite badly. I have it on video if anyone wants to see it. <laughs> actually posted it on our Instagram. Um, I'm, I'm a little, uh, I'm morbidly curious, so I may have to check. Oh, out. yeah. No, check it out. I, I, I don't know how far back I posted it, but uh, I was warming up for an arrest and control um, kind of like practice. Cause I was on, I was on the, um, the team there at the Academy and I was, uh, jump roping on a squishy mat, like a wrestling mat. And I landed on one foot and I just, it just rolled underneath me and, uh, and I just heard a loud snap. Um, long story short though, that, that gave me some time off. 
And um, I was just kind of focusing a little bit more on clients at the time because I'm like, well, you know, I'm laid up here. I have my foot elevated on my couch because it, it swelled to like, a lot. It was very swollen. And uh, that's when I started to realize, like, I would love to do this every day. I would love to just coach clients and, and get people fit. And um, pretty much all my coaching is remote. Uh, the Fit Responder Program is a remote coaching program, just helping people with uh, just kind of guidance over nutrition and training and lifestyle and putting all the pieces together. So, uh, yeah, just to wrap that up, after some time and after some thought, and uh, my wife and I just decided let's let's do it. You know, this is let's let's make this our full time thing. So here I am now. I mean, we've moved states. Uh, I work from home. Uh, you know, I love being a cop, but you, you know, it was a tough decision to leave the career, but you kind of got to go, well, if you're passionate about something and it's all you think about and you could do it as a job and you can really help people with your talents and you know, that's what I do. So I figured, all right, let me, let me go for it all the way. You know, correct me if I'm wrong, but where you live now, you're allowed to use your air conditioner and you're allowed to water your lawn. Is that correct? It's pretty amazing. Yes. The privileges we have out in Utah where I can water my lawn uh, without any repercussions. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, we can uh, have the lights on in our house. It's wild what's happening in California. And that, that, you know, that's a big part of why we left is just having kind of more freedoms, more traditional uh, family values out here. And uh, there's, there's several other reasons I could get into, but yeah, California is getting nuts. What was your uh, reason for getting into law enforcement? Um, good question. So I was in, uh, I was going to school at UCSB and I wanted to be a lawyer. So I was kind of doing pre-law and philosophy stuff. Um, and I, and I just, as I looked more into that career, I'm like, ah, I don't want to be buried in books all day. Like this just doesn't seem that appealing. And I've always liked cops. I've always, I've always just liked them. I don't know. It's, it's, I've always just admired and looked up to cops and, I remember one day I saw uh, some kids that looked like they were, I don't know, unruly. I just made a quick judgment. And uh, there was cops that were talking to them and they're sitting on the curb. And uh, one was kind of mouthing off to them. And and uh, and I just was like, that's what I want to do. And I remember my buddy was there and I was like, that'd be a cool job. And he was like, are you crazy? Like, that doesn't seem fun at all. But um, I used to love to watch cops. I mean, I don't know. Are there any cops that are working now that weren't a fan of that show? You know what I'm saying? It was glorious back in the day, man. It really uh, was. Yeah. And like, dude, I love watching cops. And and I remember, and I was watching an episode of my dad once where they're fighting somebody. And I'm like, that looks like a good time. And he was like, uh, what? Like, that? no, it doesn't. You're crazy. So, yeah. Um, that's when I, that in that moment, I was like, what if I could just, you know, apply for law enforcement and see how that goes? You know, hey, worst comes to worst. If you don't like the job, you quit. And, uh, you know, thankfully I applied because I loved it. Are you a uh, native of California? Yep. Born and raised and uh, moved out last year at the age of 33. So, yeah, it's, uh, you know, the only thing I miss is kind of like the nice weather year round, but you know, snow's cool and it's good for my kids to experience. So do you yeah. miss in and out? Do we have in and out in Utah? We got plenty of in and outs out here. Yeah. Dude, I got one I didn't even know 10 that. minutes from my, 10 minutes from my house. I love in and out for sure. Got to have it sometimes. Yeah. I didn't know they were in uh, Utah. Now I know when I was leaving Colorado, those were starting to pop up and it was crazy, man. People were waiting in line for, 
eight hours to get a fucking burger. And I'm like, in and outs okay, but eight hours for a burger? You Californians are nuts about your in and out. Dude, that's that's kind of silly. Yeah. And I don't think I'd wait more than 30 minutes. Maybe I'm impatient or I have too much stuff going on, but that's that's crazy. So you were in California for most of your life, as like I was in Colorado for most of my life before I moved out to Iowa. Growing up in California to what it is now, is it a lot different or is it just kind of, it's always been that way, but it's maybe magnified now, like all the craziness? I'd have to say it is magnified. And like, I think especially any cops who work out in California can can relate when I say that like, you know, especially in police work, it's just become a lot of agencies, at least it's become just more difficult to do the job. Um, you know, and, and I mean, I don't know how much awareness I had as a kid growing up to politics or the way like uh, laws are and, and the way cities are run, but just seeing like bums, uh, take over the LA area and spill onto the sidewalks. Um, and, you know, just everything else you see going on there with like, I mean, it seems like expenses increase year after year for us and um, all this silly restrictions and with COVID how gnarly that was. Um, yeah. I, I, I you know, and, and my wife and I are, are conservative people, so it, it just wasn't a good dynamic for us. I mean, um, you know, when you're a kid and you're young, you're a teenager, you're going to college, like, I don't know how much your focus is on any of those things. Right. But, uh, you know, as you become an independent adult, you have a family to raise and you care about kind of the environment they're in and um, expenses and politics, you know, it, it definitely became less and less appealing. Um, but I think there's no doubt that over the last few years, it's just gotten kind of uh, nutty, I guess, for lack of a better word over there. Yeah, I guess that that's probably the best word to describe it. Silliness, mm. to say the least. Yeah. Now, at, you left, and that it kind of coincided with your ankle thing, right? Ish. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, I did not get medically retired. I I don't get a dime from the county, um, and I probably could have pursued that because I still have some ankle issues. But I mean. No, it was the ankle was this weird incident and you never know what doors get open for you in life. Like, a you know, a terrible incident like that, where I was literally on the couch um, soon after going like, God, why is this happening to me? It was actually my second day in a new position that I applied for. It was a really cool job at the academy. Um, and I was so pumped to be there. And I'm like, I got this new spot. I just got promoted. Life's awesome. Snap. And I remember laying on that couch, just, I literally saying, God, like, why, why is this happening to me right now? You know? Um, but it, it did, you know, I, as I laid there, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Like, am I just going to scroll Instagram? <laughs> uh, well, you know, I, I have a couple of clients, you know, I'll, I'll put more, put myself out there more. So I guess advertise, if you want to call that, call it that. And, uh, I just, you know, seize it as an opportunity. Well, hey, you know, I'll focus on fit responder and coaching clients. And I, and it just, it just grew and it grew and it grew. And then I did go back to work, but I found myself distracted at work, just thinking about fit responder and, and the clients. And, you know, my wife and I are nerds about it. We talk about how people are seeing awesome progress and, oh, did you see, you know, so-and-so's off their blood pressure medications. That's awesome. Like, I, I just love that. So, 
yeah, that's, that's kind of how it led to me quitting. I mean, I just had to make a decision like, okay, go back to work and you know, yeah, my ankle's kind of bummed, but I, I can, I can do pretty much anything. Um, go back to work and kind of partially do fit responder. And I thought, no, like I have, I have a big mission, like not to just promote myself or fit responder, but I want, um, I want to make first responders a fit profession. Maybe that sounds too lofty. Um, but I want, I want first responders to be a, a fit group of people. They ought to be, they need to be for many reasons. Um, so I'm looking at opportunities to, to work with, um, you know, on a larger scale eventually, but right now it is pretty individual and it's one-to-one coaching. So yeah, anyways, to, to not ramble too far, that's, that's kind of how the ankle injury opened up a big door for me an opportunity that, uh, my wife and I talk about this all the time. She, if I didn't snap my ankle, I'd probably still be, uh, working. I'd be at the Academy, you know, just, uh, doing our thing out there in California still. And and that was a, a question I was going to ask because I, I was going to kind of lead into based on the time frame you left, this is kind of a time frame a lot of people left, were you seeing a lot of people leave your department at the same time or is Ventura County a good place to work? It, well, I'll say first and foremost, Ventura County is a good place to work. I, I mean, I haven't worked for any other law enforcement agencies, but overall, great. The people in Ventura County are, they tend to be very supportive for cops. Obviously there's exceptions. My partners were great. I had a great assignment. There's so much opportunity at that department. I, I could go on and on. I absolutely could have seen myself working a 30 plus year career. But yes, even still, I saw many people leaving. Tons of people were leaving. And I was hearing that like kind of during the time I quit slash shortly after, like there's lots of mandatory overtime, which like hardly ever happened. Um, two, two of my academy mates both lateraled over to Idaho. Um, and one of my good friends who uh, was uh, like on the, on the same department, he he also lateraled to Idaho. Um, so, and I've, oh, I just heard another one of my academy mates uh, is in Tennessee now. Um, so yeah, people are pouring out of there. And I, I don't, I don't think it has to do with the Ventura County specifically, but I think people are just kind of over it. They're over the, the California policies and the politics and the way the state's being run and the the increasing costs and the restrictions out there um, and the culture too. Uh, you know, I don't like a lot of the culture. There's my brother-in-law was telling me about at, at the school where his kid goes, there's like these groups of kids that that think it's cool to dress up really weird and like kiss each other openly when they're like 11 years old and like dress as furries. So they identify as animals. And I'm like, what is this nonsense? Like you wouldn't see that in Utah. You don't. I mean, what the fuck? <laughs> that's what I said. So I'm like, I see the writing on the walls. I'm over it. You know what I mean? Yeah. There's a thing where kids will do weird shit, but that's beyond kids doing weird shit. I, I don't know. I don't know if it's the parents or the internet or a combination of all of it, but man, there is some crazy fucking weird shit going on and, and people just kind of look the other way. And I don't know if it's because I think not to go on a, a rant here, but tolerance is one thing, but what's the, you gotta draw the line. there's a, there's a line, right? Where it's yeah. like, this isn't healthy. Maybe we should talk to these kids about this. Well, Let's just let our kids do whatever they want. Cause Let's just do what they want. Fun. I mean, kids are very impressionable. Right. And it's like, you know, Hey dad, like, 
you know, the kids think, think it's cool to do X, Y, Z. And I'm like, well, oh my gosh, like public displays of affection with, uh, I, I don't want to get into the details, but I, I think you can imagine what I'm getting at. And, and I just feel that, um, you know, there's, where do you draw the line between uh, anarchy and, and no rules or standards for our kids versus a, a very strict school where everyone has to be clean and pressed with the same uniform and very traditional values. And I'm, there are schools like that. So where does one draw the line? I mean, I, I draw the line closer to that spectrum. Uh, I mean, at least, you know, kids should be kind of clean cut. There should be some kind of measures in terms of attire and what kids are doing and how they're displaying affection. And, you know, I don't like the idea of, oh, hey, guys, uh, Timmy identifies as a dog. So if he wants a water bowl in the classroom and wants to sit in the back panting, that's what we should allow. Because, you know, we got to respect <laughs> his uh, his 12-year-old beliefs. I don't know. Uh, that's just me. I'm not into it. I don't know. We've kind of gone to uh, – with everything, we've gone too far where, like, my dad used to say, like, children are to be seen and not heard. Okay, that's probably a little far. But now it's, you know – I would call, and I, I stole this term from one of my friends, it's child worship, where people worship their kids. And no, like, you're a parent. There's yeah. a, you have to put your foot down, and you have to give your kid good direction because they're children, and their brains aren't fucking fully formed, you know? And yep. I don't know. We just, like everything, like policing has gone and how everything else has gone in our society, that's gone super far, you know, one direction where I think kids are just, this is going to sound worse than intended, but kids have way too much uh, say in things. And it, I, I find it ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, 100%. Um, fuck and, them kids. What'd you say? I said, fuck them kids. <laughs> the the one thing you got me thinking about California-wise and, and tolerance, right, is one thing that was so discouraging as a cop, and I know our, our listeners can resonate with this, is the how lenient laws and specifically prosecution is getting and not only as a cop a b cop where like you work up a good case you get a great arrest it's a slam dunk you know the da throws it out then then i was a detective for a couple of years and, and i work a, a solid case i got the evidence like i mean i have everything but a confession and blood and it gets tossed or they get time served or they get or the the crook gets freaking um uh, some cheesy probation extension and I'm just like, it sucks because, you know, cops are working hard everywhere and they're risking their damn lives and they're sacrificing their bodies and their and their time and everything else uh, to put crooks behind bars. That hasn't changed. Well, I guess it has because in, in some parts people are afraid to do their jobs and, and I understand that and they don't want to for, for fear of uh, repercussion. But, you know, how discouraging is that too? So like, you know, that, that was an aspect that made leaving law enforcement easier is like, I feel that as time got, has gone on and, and, and in the, our more, our most recent years, uh, cops powers have been nerfed. Like we don't have the same abilities we could to affect arrest and, you know, see that prosecution unfold. And I was talking to one of my buddies who lives in Texas and he's a deputy out there. And he was like, Oh yeah. Like, dude, we can still arrest for this, this, and this. And you know, if, if I pull them over for this, I can tow their car. I'm like, wow, you guys still have powers. That's freaking cool. <laughs> like that's amazing. You know? So that was, an, that was definitely icing on the cake, at least 
to help my decision uh, exit the career. You know, something that I struggled with really my entire career, because the criminals getting let off the hook is definitely worse now than it was, you know, when I started, you know, would have been 10 years ago now, is that old saying of you can only do your your part of the job and you can't worry about what happens after the fact. And that, you know, because as a young cop, I would see myself sometimes thinking, well, they're going to turf this anyway, which you can't, for all you listening out there that are young cops, old cops, you can't, you can't think that way. You just have to do your job because right. if you're, you're anticipating what somebody else is going to do, you're going to have problems. You can only worry about what you're going to do. But then I also still struggle with that is I'm going to go out here and I'm going to put together this good case. I'm going to talk to witnesses. I'm going to put my blood, sweat, and tears into this case. The DA is going to take 30 seconds to skim through it. And if it's not a slam dunk, they're just going to turf it. And it's, it's one of those things where I get where people just get so fucking frustrated with that. Cause why am I going out here and doing all of this work for absolutely nothing? Yep. hundred percent. No, it's, it's discouraging. And, and one of the things you just got me thinking about is that um, I think for most people, at least, or at least a lot, like, fulfillment in life comes from your ability to impact others. And even with your page, you know, uh, your, your poorly made police memes page, you're making an impact. You're brightening people's day. They think it's funny. Um, there's some connection there and, uh, you know, you're promoting some good stuff on your page. So like you're making an impact and probably feels good, you know, especially when people comment on the podcast and they're like, man, I love that episode or that, that impacted me this way and that way. So one of my thoughts with fit responder is like, well, I can, I can actually have power now to impact the lives of people I really care about in, in, in really big ways. So what was most frustrating, I think, about how, you know, the, the, the tendency of cases getting dropped and the prosecution being soft and all that, what's frustrating is like you're trying to make an impact as a cop, as whether you're a detective or on the streets or whatever your role is. I think we all got into this career, at least I hope, with, with some notion of, hey, I'm going to make a, an impact on people positively, or I'm going to put crooks behind bars, and that's and that's a positive impact. Um, and then when you see that get squashed and it's outside of your control, it does not feel good. That's the opposite of fulfilling. So, yeah, I mean, that was a huge factor, too, for me with fit responders. Like, I got cops who are feeling terrible. They have low energy. They got high blood pressure, you know. Uh, first responders are some of the most unfit people in, in America. They're, they often rank as the least fit professions in America, first responders. So just to be able to make a big impact on that and have someone text me and be like, man, you know, this is amazing. You saved my life. I mean, I do get messages like that quite a bit. It feels really, really good. I don't have a DA throwing that in the trash. I don't have policies telling me I can't help them. Um, you know, I, I, I I'm, it's just me and them. And it's, it's, uh, it's really rewarding. Well, let's dissect something you said a little bit is that first responders are some of the most unhealthy people. And I'm curious your take on why that is without going into too much detail. I, I think a lot of people when they start, you know, fresh out of the Academy, generally, depending on where you are, you're relatively fit. I feel like fire has a little bit of an advantage because, you know, they can, they can play wee bowling and they can get their exercise that way uh, in between <laughs> yeah. calls. But why do you think overall first responders are 
the fattest, the most unhealthiest? Well, I think it's very tempting in life to point to a single cause, right? Like, oh, this problem is the way it is because of this single factor. Like if a kid doesn't behave well, it's like, must be the parents. It's definitely the parents. But I think it could be multiple uh, factors that are causing this. Um, And, you know, yeah, we graduate the academy and oftentimes people say, you know, that was the best shape I've been in in my life. Um, But there was certain things in play that helped you get there in that moment. Like, first of all, there's a lot of skin in the game, meaning like if you don't do it, you're not going to get your career. Um, that's, that's a lot of pressure to actually do it. Um, there's a lot of accountability. Like, you know, if you don't go on those runs or you don't do well, you got staff on your butt and they're screaming at you. Right. Um, and, and frankly, if you're stressed out and you're moving a lot and you're marching and they have you running nonstop, that's going to help people lose body fat, um, clearly, but it's also not any kind of an education system on health and fitness at all. What are we supposed to do? Replicate the academy once we're out? <laughs> hey, I need someone to run around and yell at me. And I need to have a tremendous pressure as far as I'll lose my career if I don't do this. Um, I've thought and- about that a lot. I'm glad you brought that up because I'm like, man, I need somebody to fucking yell at me because I was in great shape in the academy. <laughs> yeah. Go well, on. Yeah. Accountability can be re- done in a different format. <laughs> accountability is really huge. And I think it's a, it's a big thing that people overlook when they're considering uh, should I get a coach or not? Um, but yeah, the, the, those are the factors that help people get in shape in the academy. But what happens after? Because you ask, you know, why are we, why are, why is law enforcement and first responders in general so out of shape? Well, you have several factors. Like number one, sleep is often disrupted. We have, we have crazy hours, shift work, night shift, day shift, rotating schedules. By the way, I've seen some awful schedules around the country. And I'm like, how in the world is there an admin saying, yep, this sounds good. We can't come up with any better, you know, because like they don't do it. I, it's insane. One week of days, one week of nights, one week of days, one week of nights, all throughout your career. Could you imagine? Terrible. Um, anyways, so you have that, you have sleep, you have stress, uh, stress raises cortisol levels. It affects hormones. Uh, lots of uh, officers are testosterone deficient. Um, it's, it's, you know, first responders are, a mostly sedentary job with moments of potential excitement running. Um, and, and, and that's the scary part is it, it goes, it's a job that goes from totally sedentary. You're doing nothing. You might as well be in an office or, or, and then, and then suddenly you're called upon to do extreme physical challenges. You know, you might have to run, jump walls, fight. Um, if you're a firefighter, climb ladders, bust down doors, um, drag someone to safety. You know, you have to operate with, um, you know, running on air and all these demands. Um, but, but for the most part, it's a sedentary job. So sleep's affected, there's stress and there's hormonal changes. Um, and I think there's a convenience factor when you're short on time, you have these busy shifts, like uh, a lot of people don't understand a good kind of sustainable way to approach nutrition and exercise when Ted, like, how am I supposed to focus on nutrition and exercise when I'm working 18 hour shifts? Um, I barely have enough time to get home and hang out with my kids before I want to pass out. Um, you know, I'm called a call all day. So I just run and grab fast food or some other poor choice. Not that all fast food's bad, but I just mean, you know, typically the choices you get on the run aren't necessarily. What he's saying, everyone, is everything but, but in and out is bad. 
<laughs> right. Hey, I, every single one of my clients can eat in and out every day if they want to. There's just, there's always smart ways to approach things and good choices and limiting the things that are imperfect. Um, but nevertheless, and then there's the culture, you know, there's a, a culture with a lot of cops like, hey, we're going to meet up every day and eat at this place and sit around and, and crack jokes. Um, and, and, you know, there's a culture around food, people bringing food to the station. And I remember when I was working on the briefing table every day, I mean, at least 90% of the time, there is candy, there's chips, there's cupcakes, there's freaking pizza and some nice citizen brought in, you know, some treats and goodies. And I'd watch the same guys come in there day after day and shove it in their mouth. They walk in and without a thought, they're shoving candy down their face. And, oh, hey, it's free. It's there. So, you know, so there's a culture problem, too. Um, but I think those are the biggest factors, right, is like th these cops are trying to balance and, and cop. I mean, I don't want to just say cops, first responders. We're, we're trying to balance, you know, home life, uh, kids, uh, crazy shifts, uh, overtime, um, you know, rotating shifts, uh, stress, being sedentary as hell. Um, and I, I think just people get locked in these bad routines, these bad habits, and they and they don't realize or understand how those things are negatively impacting them until, you know, it's very obvious their belt is getting too tight, they feel gross, they look gross, they're, they've gone up multiple uniform sizes. One thing we should talk about too, my man, is how many first responders are failing on the job due to their lack of fitness this happens all the time and it's not talked about a lot because it's embarrassing. Like people don't want to share the story of, Oh, Hey, you know, I had to respond to this incident and I completely failed because I'm so overweight and out of shape. But I, I hear these stories because when people come to me and they're like, Ted, I want help. A lot of the time it's, I need to tell you about this thing that happened recently at work. And that was their wake up call. You know what I mean? Like that was the thing that told them now it's okay. Now it's time to get fit. Not when I notice I gained 20 pounds or notice that I'm, my energy sucks or that I look weird. And I don't like the way I look. I, I should say not weird, but just uncomfortable the way I look. Uh, those could be good signs, but no, a lot of people wait till something pretty tragic or, or embarrassing or some other failure happens at work. That's their wake up call. So we could, I could tell stories for days on, some of the things I've heard and, and how sad it is, you know, we'll get into all those stories in a little bit. Well, we'll kind of, we'll, we'll circle back to it. I was going to get a little personal here. Um, for those that listen to the podcast, uh, I've been pretty clear that I'm a, I'm a fat slob. Even uh, Dr. Phil thinks so. Fat slob. But I, I've been one of those people that I've kind of yo-yoed my weight my entire life. And the way I've always kind of looked at that for me, and I think now I'm a little older, I have some clarity on what that is. It's all about it. Like you were saying, it's all about accountability. You tell me if I'm off base with this, but I, in my opinion, some of us are blessed with faster metabolisms than others. Some of us are taller. Some of us are, you know, whatever. We're all a little bit different and it's how you handle it. I don't have a great, I've never had a great metabolism, but if I stay on my shit and I'm not eating junk food, I'm good. And mm -hmm. that's on me. And I think that's just something you have to make a decision with too. And I think it's, you know, the times where I've been, I don't want to use the depressed word, but when I'm not doing good mentally, it's so much easier to say, ah, I'm having a bad day. I'm going to treat myself and go get a brownie or a cookie. You brought up failing at work. 
I I know there's been some foot chases where I didn't catch people, but I was really good at following people long enough for the fast guys to get there. So I'm pretty sure I never lost anybody per se, but I should have fucking caught them. Thankfully, I never lost any fights or anything like that. But it is scary because you're supposed to be that person that comes in and quote unquote saves the day. But if you're out of breath after 30 seconds, it's a fucking problem. Yeah. Yeah, Sorry, I sure. left you with the, I left you with a bunch of stuff right there, but in my we'll, we'll start with the one thing, and we'll talk about not being ready to fight. But am I off base with that though? Or are there just some people that they're just different? I guess so to speak. Like some people, like I got a friend, skinny as a twig, can eat fucking anything forever, and he's in his thirties now. He's been like that since high school. Where if I have a milkshake, my ass jiggles for a week, kind of thing. Is that a real thing, or am I looking at that the wrong way? Um, no, I think it's a thing in the sense that like there, that's why I'm not a big fan of a one size fits all approach for everyone. Um, I don't think that anyone is, anyone in this world is doomed to be overweight or obese. Um, I, I don't agree with that a hundred percent. Yeah. And, and, you know, yes, there are people who have ripping awesome metabolisms and their genetics allow them to eat damn near anything and they'll stay skinny. And yes, there are people whose metabolisms aren't quite as forgiving. Um, and those people may have to quote unquote work harder, um, or just, just be a little bit more mindful about their, their approach. Um, so you, you are right on that. Um, but I, I, you know, I don't, I don't, I definitely wouldn't say that anyone is doomed to be overweight or that anyone that, that, that you cannot be fit uh, thinner, you know, leaner, healthier, more muscular, um, because of genetics or because you have some kind of a disabled metabolism. And for one thing, you can improve the metabolism. You can improve hormone function through natural methods, uh, which I've seen countless times over and over again. I've worked with plenty of clients who are eating more than they did when they started, yet they're way leaner and more muscular. It's because they've improved their metabolism and their lifestyle. So, that's one notion. And I think can, we, brought, can uh, I go on a rant about that really quick? Yeah, go. It's your podcast. Um, well, thank you. Thank you for allowing that. Uh, <laughs> yes. I, I say this as a fat guy and, and I'm uh, as you guys listening, know, I, I'm actively working towards that uh, not being a fat guy, but it drives me fucking up the wall that we have this whole movement in this country. Like the fat shaming thing. I'm not saying you need to be mean to fat people. That's not what I'm saying, but we can't look at obese people and, and say that that's a healthy thing. Like, sorry, Lizzo. Uh, I know you're very oppressed. You fucking rich person. You're super oppressed here in America, but you're fat. And it's an unhealthy example to show to children. I agree. It's it's you're fat. Like, wait, hold on. Dr. Phil's going to tell us. Fat whore. That was maybe a little much, but uh, <laughs> thanks, Dr. Phil. But I don't, it just drives me nuts that it's like body shaming. It's like they're unhealthy. Again, going back to this thing we were talking about with kids sticking fucking, you know, shit up their ass and saying they're furries. Same thing with the fat thing. Like we don't need to be mean to fat kids. We don't need to fucking do pink belly, but we also don't need to encourage them to be fat and say it's okay to be fat because it's not okay to be fat. It's just not. Well, and I, and here's here's the perspective of somebody who's worked with countless people who are overweight and obese and have also seen countless transformations of leaning out, getting fitter, losing some some of that weight. And uh, what happens is it's always a positive result. 
Um, I, you know, the, all the stories of Ted, I feel terrible. I'm, I'm, my energy sucks. Um, my feet, my ankles hurt. I have health problems, high blood pressure, high cholesterol. I'm pre-diabetic. Um, I don't have the energy to play with my kids. Those are not things to be celebrated. Those aren't things we should quote unquote tolerate. We shouldn't tolerate that in ourselves. That's the biggest thing is if you're noticing that don't tolerate, uh, you know, you living a lesser life because um, I guess some section of society says it's perfectly okay if, if you're overweight and obese. Look, if, if you're happy in that body, if you're overweight and obese, you feel great, you're fine, and you don't care whether or not you have health issues down the line or currently, um, and you're content with that, I, I don't have any bone to pick with you. That's you. That's what you want. But I also know that the there are countless people out there who hate it and they hate the way they look. They hate the way they feel. They hate the way their clothes look. They hate the health problems. They hate how it's impacting their ability to live the life they want. They can't go on hikes. They can't go run with their kids. The moment they get home, they want to go to sleep. That's not life. That's not good living. And, and the other side of that, when those same people get fit and they lose the fat and they're in a way better spot, they only report to me a bunch of positive stuff. Ted, I'm happier. I'm less irritable. I have more energy. Um, my wife's complimenting me. People at work are saying good job. So what, whatever whatever the, the, the debate is about should we be tolerant or not, I'm in support of the things that tend to bring people happiness and well-being. I'm not in support of the things in lifestyle that tend to bring people misery and and. I don't think anyone can really argue I'm off base when I say that these observations I've made and working one-on-one -on -one with these people are, are true. I think you just hate fat people, but that's all it is. <laughs> uh, no, no, I, I want to, I want to help uh, people who want to be helped, but uh, no, I mean, um, I, I do, I do watch my 600 pound life sometimes I got to say, and I feel I don't feel disgust. I just feel really bad. I feel bad for these these people. It's kind of a sad show. Have you ever seen that? Yeah, it's I don't do the reality stuff. Like if my wife has reality TV on, I just usually turn around and go and do something else. Cause all of it's just A, it's kind of like played up anyway, to be honest. But the the six hundred pound life, I'm just why are we putting this shit on TV, man? Maybe it's like one time, but we don't need like season eight of you know, my six hundred pound life. It's it's bad. Well, something that blows my mind is how so many people are in such a bad spot with their fitness and health and they're in total denial. Or like I've told people this. I've said, hey, brother, if I was in your body tomorrow, if I woke up in your body tomorrow, there would be nothing that would be more important to me than changing that situation. Uh, because that I know. Guy in a little code. <laughs> Sorry. Go on. <laughs> well, hey, if, if you're Chris Farley and it's benefiting your comedy career to be obese, maybe, you rest know, in peace, just, Chris Farley, rest in peace. Maybe you have good reason to, to say the way you are. But uh, I think that's that's kind of what fascinates me about that show and just about people who tend to get way out of shape is it's like, man, like, what is it going to take for you? True story. I had a guy uh, reach out to me and said, Ted, it's time because I had a stroke. Um, I'm now blind in one eye and my speech is impaired. Because of the stroke, I don't want to lose my other eye. I need to get fit. I'm like, cool, let's talk. And and by the way, somehow, some somewhere during the conversation, uh, he he went ghost on me, and I you know never heard back. But 
you know, what is it going to take for people to look at themselves and go enough's enough? You know, that's kind of the fascinating part for me. Fat, drunk and stupid is no way to go through life, son. What is that quote from? What is that? That's from Animal House, man. That's one of my fucking favorite lines in that movie. Uh, I never saw it. Never saw the movie. What? Dude, I'm right now I'm stopping the podcast. I encourage everyone to watch Animal <laughs> House. It is probably and I'm a big, you know, I like Blues Brothers, but it's man, it's up there as far as the Jim Belushi chip flick, man. It's so good. I encourage it, even like it came out in the 70s, but it, it I think it stands the test of time. It's really good. All right, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back to the podcast. I want to talk to you about my good buddies over at V Development Group. Not only do they have the great medical gear that I've talked to you about, they've got holsters, they've got belts, including the belt of Thor. You heard that right, Megan Yord, a belt designed for concealed carry. In addition to all this awesome gear, they've got awesome t shirts and coffee. You heard it here first, folks coffee that every cop truly needs. That's my friends over at V Development Group, the educated end user's choice. You can find them at vdevgru.com. That's V D E V G R U.com. And I'll have a link in the podcast description. Now, back to the podcast. I want to talk about the, the failures and some of the stuff and the stories you've heard, but it's on my mind. So I wanted to ask before I forget. I always see on Facebook and Instagram these, I'm just going to call them magic pills. Uh, you know, take this or that, and it's going to help you lose weight and all this shit. And, um, you know, there's like, what was the fucking one? I can't remember. It's like gummy something or other. And it's, uh, none of it. I know there's like certain things, you know, maybe a little creatine, some protein, stuff like that, but there's no magic pill, right? No, there's no magic pill. And I don't want to cut you off, but that's what irritates me about being in the quote unquote fitness industry is, is, uh, I guess it's easy to say the vast majority of it is bullshit because when you have people who are in, in some form of pain and it's tough to get out of that pain, it's a tough thing to get fit for a lot of people. Hey, I have this super easy solution. You stick this stupid thing in your belly button. I don't know if you saw that one. You stick this brown ball in your belly button. I haven't seen that one. It'll just melt. Oh, the best one I saw was a a hammock. It was a vibrating hammock. You literally lay in it and it shakes you. (laughs) And they're like, I'm burning calories just in this vibrating hammock. And I'm just like, oh my gosh, there's so many games. You remember the infomercial from the 90s or maybe it was the early 2000s where it was like the the thing you strapped to your gut and it was supposed to be like, just like doing like a thousand crunches in like five minutes a day. Yeah. The electrodes, you know, it's funny. One of my clients uh, the other day we were talking and he's like, I have to admit, I bought one of those. Uh, My stomach had visible bruises on it and uh, you know, learned my lesson the hard way. (laughs) So yeah, it's, you know, it's, it's tempting stuff. Hey, three easy payments of $29.99 and you'll be in the best shape ever without any effort or changes to your lifestyle in any way. Like if even part of you believes that could be true, I could see why people buy it, but it's, it's sad. And it's, uh, it's, it's, I mean, I don't know what else you can say. It's frustrating. Yeah. It, what do you think is the initially starting out is the hardest thing for people that are trying to lose weight? in your opinion, or what you've seen? Hmm. Well, starting out, I think there's a lot of really bad approaches out there. Um, And I think most people tend to do something similar. They're like, okay, I'm going to follow a fab diet where I can't eat a lot of the things I like and I have to really restrict myself. 
Um, and I, a lot of people just go all or nothing. Like I'm all in. Okay. I'm going to count all my macros and calories and I'm going to work out for two hours a day. And it's not really gradual enough and it's not really a, uh, you know, they're just going too hard. So, I mean, I, I guess it's hard to say because there's a lot of problems, but I think initially is that people are not kind of following the right process for them. And what I mean by that is, is let's say I have a guy who, I don't know, he's throwing things out there. Let's say he's significantly obese. Um, he has no idea what a calorie is. Um, and you know, he's eating very terribly and eating in excess and has no idea how to work out. Um, his process is going to be very different than someone who's like, Ted, you know, I just have this last 15 to lose. I'm familiar with different concepts and I'm, I already work out. Those people need a different approach to hit their goals. Right. Oh yeah. I would um, say. and so that's kind of the problem is, is that people really don't know what's going to get them to the next level. And I think that is where a good coach comes in. Um, but yeah, I would say one of the general themes that I talk about a lot is that what people are doing is not sustainable. So, Hey, I'm, I'm eating chicken and rice for a week. Okay. I can't freaking do that anymore. Um, you know, I'm, I'm eating, I'm doing keto, I guess, you know, Hey, I'm never going to do, I'm never going to eat bread, fruit, tortillas, or rice or beans ever again, because I can't eat carbs. Uh, and there, you know, people go through these yo-yo cycles where they do something kind of restrictive, extreme, that may work to some degree, and then they fall back into old habits. But what I found works is let's help you create new habits that are sustainable. So like, okay, you want to go out to eat and get a beer and eat a cheeseburger. Let's show you how to fit that into your week and, and make it make sense. You know, let's, let's be imperfect and not look for extreme restriction, but let's look for a good balance. I think it, I think that's a big part of it is finding that balance. Yeah, I can, I'll tell you, you know, and everybody, honestly, I'm that guy where I, I've done the yo-yo thing and I've gotten an okay shape. I've never been in like great shape my entire life, but that I think the pr biggest problem for me is it's, it's usually like an all or nothing thing or, or I do too much at once, you know, and I end up, you know, injuring myself. Cause I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. And then it's believer of mental toughness, but it, there is at some point where you're kind of going beyond your means and you're going to fucking hurt yourself if you're being stupid. Um, and I've done that several times. Just because right. I'm like, I'm going to fucking do this. And yeah, it's cool that I finished, but now I'm out for a week because I fucking hurt myself, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, let me give you this analogy. I love to use this analogy with people because let's imagine you're on field training, right? And you you really want to do well as a cop. You don't, maybe you know some things about being a cop. Hey, maybe you were even a a, a, a provisional cop deputy and you, or you've been on multiple ride-alongs. Whatever it is, you know, you need to improve your cop game. And you know you want to be a successful cop, but let's say you're you don't have a good field trainer, or your field trainer says, "Hey, man, um, go at this on your own." You know, there's Google, there's there's po these policy manuals if you want to figure out what to do. Um, you know, and best of luck. No one's going to know if you're showing up to calls. No one's going to know how you're handling those calls. No one's going to know how you're handling your reports. Um, no one's going to know if you show up or not. And if you don't show up, no one's going to care. How well would people do in that environment? terribly they would do terribly right but but what does a good fto do they're like dude i'm going to make sure you're doing your job well and i want to see that you follow through and if you're screwing things up i'm going to show you how to fix it i'm going to show you the best workaround for that and uh, we're going to see you improve week to week month to month um until you feel like this is automatic and we can take the training wheels off and you're on your own 
that's that's the process so like i think people that are resistant to getting help with their fitness should look at that as a good analogy because um why do we why do we go hey you know i'm i'm not a, g- a great plumber i don't know a ton about it so okay i'll hi- i'll hire a plumber um you know and i do, we do this in many areas of our life whether it's legal problems medical problems home remedy problems um, I want to learn how to become better at writing or public speaking. Like maybe I should take a class, maybe I should get support. Um, but like people don't tend to do that with fitness for whatever reason. Oh, I know what to do. I I know what to do and I don't need any help. Well, maybe you don't quite know what to do and maybe you could actually benefit from some accountability, you know? Yeah. And that's, I mean, let me tell you, actually, here's a story about one of the times I was the most successful at losing weight. I had a sergeant that was up my ass for being fat and people would come to tell me, and I was fat. Uh, I wasn't in good shape when I got on his team. People would say, man, he's being fucking mean to you. And I said, no, he's right. I'm fat. Mm. And people get, uh, and I can't, again, everybody's kind of different. I didn't see that as him being mean. Maybe he was a little bit. I don't think he was. That was him. Like, Hey dude, you need to fucking get in shape. And that was his way of doing it. And I responded to it. Um, guy to me was a great fucking boss. And like, he gave me a whole lot of uh, freedom to do what I did. And he trusted me as a cop, trusted my decision-making, trusted what I was doing in reports, trusted what I was doing in investigations. But he was a dick to me when it came to weight. And I lost a bunch of fucking weight on that guy's team. And the next year, or I think I was on his team for like two years when I wasn't on his team, that was my accountability, man. It was a big deal to me. And I I found myself doing shit that I wouldn't normally do because I knew he wasn't around the corner, you know? Yep. That doesn't work for everybody, but it fucking, it worked for me. I think a little pressure is good, you know? And I think like, that's a big, a good coach puts a little pressure on their clients and, and holds them accountable. Um, and you think about a lot of fitness solutions out there, none of that's involved. It's take this supplement. It's, Here's a workout DVD. It's here's a piece of workout equipment, a bike you can put in your house. There's no pressure though. There's no pressure at all to keep that going or to learn or improve. It's uh, you might have a burst of motivation. So you get started with that thing for a week or two, but you're going to fall back in old habits. There's no, there's no external pressure. So um, I think we need some of that external pressure. It doesn't necessarily have to be a, a sergeant who's yelling at you or putting you down, but it needs to be somebody who is involved and cares. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've had some of those talks where I'm like, dude, can I just be straight up with you? You're not taking this serious enough. That is a bullshit excuse. You and I both know. Okay. All right. So come on. Um, and it's those little nudges that keeps pushing people to, to be consistent long enough to develop the habits and routines. And that's another thing too, is that people think they're just going to click into the, the mindset of a fit person. And then suddenly they're just going to be fit forever. This takes time. Like I don't have 21 day challenges or let me send you this uh, PDF and it's going to change your life. I don't believe those things exist. I think it takes ongoing work with somebody to change them. Um, But yeah, I mean, to get back to your point, like having that accountability and that sergeant being like, no, dude, this is not acceptable. It moved you. Fat slob. That's probably what he said, right? (laughs) Yeah. uh, I have a great story about something he did, but we've been teasing it for a minute here. I feel like, this is probably a good time. What are some of the horror stories, some of the crazy shit 
that you're hearing from guys that are like, Hey, I'm, you know, I'm ready to start because, you know, I failed at work. What kind of stuff are you hearing? Oh my gosh. I mean, I, I mean, where do I begin? I mean, first is definitely medical issues. People like Ted, you know, now I have high blood pressure. I have high cholesterol. I've got a scary blood test result. Um, I've had a heart attack. I had a stroke. Um, and I'm scared, you know, that was the wake up call, but then there's stuff at work that's happening. Um, one that sticks out to me pretty good was this guy who was, you know, fairly big and, you know, he, he saw himself as a strong guy. Yeah, I still got it. I want to say he played like college ball, um, but he's definitely overweight. You know, I want to say like 250, 260. Um, and, you know, he stopped the car and he worked for some department where like your backup is far, you know, at least five minutes, probably 10 minutes away. But um, I don't remember what led up to the fight, but he did get into a, a hands-on with this guy. And it was a skinny, smaller dude. Um, but the dude was squirrely enough and wormy enough. And eventually he started to gas out. And he, he's, he even told me, he said, you know, I always kind of assumed adrenaline would help me get through anything. Um, but here he was, he's fighting with this guy and, he, and he's losing his strength that he you know, wanted to rely on because he's so tired. And the dude ended up getting on top of him and started pummeling him. Like, and he said, the last thing I remember is I'm getting hit in the face over and over and then that's when I hear the sirens coming and I just, and I'm thinking just last long enough for my backup to get here. Um, and that, that's what happened. He was saved and, and uh, the backup, they arrested the guy, but that was his wake up call, you know, just getting smoked. And he thought, man, oh, I, I could handle whatever situation or man, I, you know, I live, he was in a, a pretty safe area. didn't think he was going to get into a fight and there he was. Um, so that's one story that sticks with me. I mean, I, there's definitely other lost fight stories. There's lost foot pursuits. Um, I can think of an EMT who just needed to help his partner carry a guy on a gurney up a hill. Um, and he just kept gassing out. And he eventually had to tap out. Like there's kind of gravel and the hill is kind of hard to climb up. And they got their backup there to help carry this victim up. Um, but it caused a delay. They couldn't get the guy to an ambulance fast, uh, as fast as they'd like. And that was his wake up call. Like, oh my gosh, like I'm failing my partner. I'm failing this victim and it's embarrassing. And then he ended up joining our program and losing like 65 pounds and feeling a hell of a lot better. Um, but I even saw it personally. I saw guys out of shape on my department. One dude lost a fight that he should not have freaking lost. Um, another dude, this was embarrassing. A RP is reporting, uh, there's a guy in her front yard that she doesn't recognize. He's really creepy. He's calling her name. So he somehow knows her and he's very weird. He's like hiding in the bushes. So, okay. Is that somebody you ha have reasonable suspicion to detain and ought to detain? Uh, yes. So anyways, uh, deputy shows up. The deputy is one of the most out of shape guys on our department. And what do you hear on the radio? Oh, suspects fleeing southbound, blah, blah. Uh, and the guy got away. And what did that deputy have to do? He had to go to the door, tell the rep reporting party. Yep. I saw him, saw him in the bush, confronted him. The dude ran and I couldn't catch him. Well, <laughs> you know, you, I'm sure the reporting party made some uh, assumptions on why he couldn't catch him, but yeah, those are just a few stories. Uh, but I've also heard a lot of great success stories when people do get fit. Like there's a guy in my program right now named Wyatt. Um, and 
he's gotten into multiple incidents, fights, uh, perimeters and, and foot pursuits and controlling combative suspects and, and, and uh, getting, getting to his partners in time. So ever since he got fit, I mean, there's probably been at least four or five times where he's like, there's no way I would have been able to do as well. But now that I'm fit, like, you know, I'm, I'm able to, to serve my best. So there's a lot of triumphant stories too, of people getting fit and, and then seeing the benefits at work. So, you know, this comes from me working with hundreds and hundreds of cops over the years. But yeah, I, I hope I didn't ramble too long, but uh, those are a couple of good stories. Yeah. And it's, uh, I was trying to find the soundboard from a uh, super bad or he's like, oh, it's the fastest kid alive. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, man, every once in a while, man, you're going to, you're going to run across that dude. That's like, you know, Olympic speed, but for the most part, you should be able to hold your own. That's what people are kind of, they're hoping that of you, right? That's, you need to be accountable yourself, your community and to your brothers and sisters. I mean, what if you're the one going to back somebody up and you're there to save their life, but you physically cannot do it because you're not in shape. And Oh yeah. I'm sorry to cut you off. Here's no, go ahead. Story. Can I tell you one more story? Yeah, go for it. Yeah. Please hold that thought. But the, here's another good one. So, um, there's a guy that was working with a, a his partner is a female and she's pretty new and he felt like he should be pretty protective of her because she's new and she's kind of smaller. And anyways, she got in the mix with somebody foot pursuit turned into a fight. And um, I don't think he knew that he was fighting, that she got into a fight, but she knew the foot, he heard the foot pursuit go out and in the garbled radio traffic. So, he has an idea where she's going. She's like, all right, we hopped the fence at this place. We're going da, 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 da. So he goes up to this fence and he even admitted when he talked to me, he's like, uh, you know, a, a person should be able to get over this fence. I could not. It was a locked fence. He's struggling. He's trying to climb over it. He's just too heavy. He doesn't have the strength to pull himself over. He's, he's huffing and puffing. So now he's searching for another way around. So should I go back to my car? All right, well, let me just try to find another way around. Um, but eventually he finally catches up, but, um, he was the closest unit to her and he could have gotten to her if he had been in better shape. He admits that, um, but he couldn't get to her in time. And thankfully she was okay. Like she was scraped up and hurt and everything else, but he felt so bad that he just completely broke down. And later he told her how guilty he felt and this and that. And I think it takes a pretty big man to admit that. Um, I thought that was really cool of him to like even even admit to her like you know I should have been able to get there in time for you, um, but that's another thing is like failing your partners like how bad would you feel if you knew man I could have helped my partner I could have helped that victim, but because I let myself go I, I had no idea or I was in denial about how fit I was actually or how unfit I actually am, and I wasn't able to do my job and that story stood out to me because. You know, that that was one of my biggest fears as a cop is like, I I want my partners to not only know that I could be there for them and, and kick ass when I need to and, and, and be on the ball, but like the idea of failing that or or being the opposite was just like the most cringy, embarrassing thought of all time for me. So that was a huge motivator for me to be fit, for sure. You know, I, I don't, this is... I, I'm I'm coming off very judgmental for a guy that is a uh, fat. This is going to make us fat. Oh, wrong sound, but we'll go with that. Um, you know, I I've made the decision. Uh, you know, those that have listened, I I want to get back into law enforcement at some point, 
and not to get too hoity-toity, but the uh, the other day was September 11th, and I just got to thinking, you know, if that's, God forbid, I'm some horrendous call like that or whatever happens, or or even as a civilian, if if it's my turn to answer the call, you know, because we can talk about the sheepdog thing and how that doesn't necessarily apply to being a first responder, mm. I'm going to be ready. Like it's on me. I'm going to be ready and I'm going to do what I need to do to be better and ready for it. And so I don't want, you know, I feel kind of weird being judgmental about the fat thing because I am fat. Um, And when I was a cop, there were points in my career where I was fat. There were points in my career where I wasn't so fat. But anytime I got fat, you know, it's really easy to say, well, I had this going on and that going on and this and it's all excuses. That's, mm-hmm. It's all excuses. Um, I should have been more accountable to myself, my community, and my partners and not let those things happen. I can't do anything about what happened before. I was fat. I'm fat. All I can do is fix it. And so, again, I don't want to come off as like judgmental on that. But And, and I hope this isn't like shooting daggers at some people listening to the podcast, but it is important. I mean, it, it's your job. You know, this job is the closest you get to being fucking Batman, right? Yeah. Batman's not huffing and puffing, you know? You got to be ready to do it. And when it's your time to answer that call, you got to be ready for it. There's things that are out of our control. This isn't one of those. This is something you can control. Well, it's, it's a risk reduction. Like, you know, yes, you could die in a car accident, even if you're wearing a seatbelt and you're going the speed limit. But just because you can, just because there are factors outside your control, does that mean, oh, I might as well drive 130 miles an hour without a seatbelt uh, five beers deep? No, <laughs> you're much more likely to suffer consequences. You might even still make it. But yeah, first responders are gambling every day. And I, I hear the results of that, that gamble all the time. And I think for you, man, it, it, that is the biggest and most important step is to be cognizant uh, of reality, not sugarcoating it, um, and just basically being upfront and confronting like, yeah, I'm in a bad spot. I've let myself get here. I need to fix this. It's important for me to fix this and I'm going to figure out a way. I'm going to get the help if I need, but um, you know, I can't help anyone who's in denial or, or if they minimize it or they, they mitigate, Oh, I'm still strong. (laughs) Adrenaline will get me through. Or, you know, a guy the other day I talked to who's um, 260 high blood pressure, uh, you know, and he said, I'm healthy. I said, dude, can I be straight with you, man? You are not healthy. <laughs> what other, I mean, what else needs to be happening in your life for you to, to say that you actually are unhealthy? So yeah, like what you're doing there is you're saying, you know what, like it's it's one thing to get out of shape, but it's another, another to deny it and kick the can down the road. And a big first step is going, you know what, let me be real. This is not acceptable. I, this can be fixed. Maybe I've struggled before. But I owe it to everybody, including myself and my family, to freaking change that. That's a great first step to taking accountability, recognizing the need for change, taking it serious, and then t- and then next is taking action for sure. Because if if you if those things don't precede the action, well, the action is going to be very short lived. Well, and you brought up the the family aspect of it. We've been talking, and we talked about it a little bit. You brought it up a little bit, but 
beyond work, you know, even if you're listening, you're not a cop, you want to be able to go play with your kids. You don't, you know, you don't want to work your nine to five and be exhausted and not able to play with your kids because that shit that has, you know, talk about risk reduction, spending time with your kids, actually, actually interacting with your kids. That's huge for them in the future and how they interact with people and the kind of childhood they're going to have. So that's another way to look at it or hell you want to make it past retirement. Cops die at, you know, what is it like five years after they retire? Yeah. Yeah. So again, the risk reduction, if you're in a little bit better shape and there, you know, there are things we can't control the, the stress levels and things like that. I mean, there's, I think there are things to control it, but I mean, some of it, it, it's a complicated subject to say the least, as far as, you know, the, the stress with cops and all in heart problems and stuff like that. But don't make it worse on yourself. I mean, I'll, you know, I'll raise my hand half the time I do these podcasts, I'm shit faced because it's fun. I have a good time doing it, but is that healthy? No, it's not. Well, are you doing it every day? Eh, a couple times a week. Uh, well, at my worst, I, I'm, I've decided maybe once a week, maybe, but usually maybe once every other week, get shit faced and do podcasts. Yeah. I mean, I've definitely seen worse. And, and that's the thing is like, live life like yeah go eat the damn double cheeseburger go have some drinks go on vacation and not even think about it i i'm all for balance and that's where i think a lot of people get it wrong is like yeah you know i'm imperfect i mean sometimes i post pictures of what i'm eating and people are like oh i guess i guess the diet's over right or i guess you're not fit anymore it's like well, no like <laughs> i think I, I, most fit people maybe aside from professional athletes and pro bodybuilders um we deviate and and it's just about kind of reducing that but uh, you know yeah. you said, i was gonna say you said balance and it reminded me of something control control you must learn control listen to yoda you must learn control it's all mm. about balance and controlling yourself yep we're at a point in the podcast where i i have some dumb questions that i i ask everybody on the fitness side of things i i'm curious I don't know if you know this, but I'm all about humanizing, um, not the badge, but shitting your pants, because I believe every once in a while shit happens. Correct. Would you say you're less likely to shit your pants if you're healthy? Ooh, I would I'm say so. Protein shakes, though, man. There's some guys that get their hands on protein, and it's all over. Well, funny story. Yeah, yeah. I mean, too much of anything, but... Um, I remember I tried to go vegan for a few weeks just because, you know, you hear things. Oh, I felt so great. Um, I felt incredible. And I'm like, you know what? I'm just going to do it as a self-experiment. I'm not going to eat any animal products. I'm going straight vegan. Um, but, dude, I farted literally every, like, 30 seconds to a minute. And I probably pooped, like, six times a day. And I was a detective at the time. So, you know, I'm in a cubicle with other people around me. And I just, I mean, I know I was blowing it up and be like, oh, it smells so bad in here. Uh, and I didn't feel any better. I mean, I missed meat and I was sad about not being able to eat normal foods or what I consider normal being like eggs and chicken and steak and burgers. Uh, but yeah, dude, I probably as close to shitting my pants on the vegan thing. And uh, I was, you know, I was just, I guess maybe just way overloaded on vegetables. And I gave it a few weeks because I'm like, all right, people are saying it just takes time to adjust. You know, uh, I don't think, I, I don't think I have much of a vegan audience. So I don't know if that's why they're shitting their pants. Mm. Um, 
you know, I don't know. I might just have a bunch of really sickly people that listen to the podcast, but I, I am a firm believer that, you know, sometimes things are out of our control and, uh, you know, like we, we, this podcast actually started a little bit late and I, I'm thankful to Ted here because my kid came home late or early from school because his stomach hurt. And then, uh, I had the squirts all afternoon, which I know that's all what you guys needed to hear. <laughs> um, I couldn't find my fucking emodium, man. The godsend. That's what who I need to sponsor the podcast, by the way, is Emodium. They they mm. save lives. They really do, especially at work when you're you have a little belly ache. But since you're kind of my my fitness guru here, uh, we just need confirmation that it's okay to poop your pants every once in a while, right? I mean, of course. It's okay. It's uh it may not be okay in the moment, but it's important to recognize you're a human being and um shit happens. Um do you want some pro tips on how to avoid some uh bubble guts? Let's do it. Um, so typically fried foods and oils tends to get people. Um, I will say uh, this. So any artificial sweeteners that tend to be sugar alcohols, those can, some people are sensitive to that. Uh, so like anything that's like a malatol or sorbitol, if it ends in a tall, it's a sugar alcohol and those can be troublesome. And there's, there's, I have nothing against artificial sweeteners, but those in particular can cause some people trouble. Um, and then, yeah, like also if you sugar, if, if you consume something that's very high in sugar, that can be problematic as well. Um, and then I would say the biggest things of like either like constipation or incontinence or friggin' the bubble guts is just like sudden change in, in what you're normally eating. So like, you know, what is that? That's typically like somebody goes for a big old Taco Bell run. And, uh, you know, your digestion gets used to what you're eating very much. So, um, whereas like a lot of people in my program, they, they start eating cleaner and then they go eat, eat, you know, half a pizza and they're like, oh my gosh, I feel freaking horrible. So just something to keep in mind, guys, like I think having some routine to nutrition is good because your digestion can get very much used to it and get more efficient at sort of digesting similar things. If that makes sense. No, that makes sense. One of the things I like to ask people is kind of a newer question on the podcast is when you were a new cop, did you do anything stupid like a rookie mistake? You got a good story? Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Too many. So I would say one of my biggest tendencies that was a problem was rushing in, you know, because you see cops on TV and they kick the door in, they rush in. Um, and, you know, it's funny, even one of my academy mates who is also a roommate was like, you know, Ted needs to stop and think. Cause he's, he has, he's too prone to rush in Uh man, smart dude, because he forecasted a lot of mistakes I made in my career. Thankfully, nothing too devastating, but I mean, yeah, like for one thing, uh, we did a warrant service as a detective and uh, we, we, I didn't receive any training on, on how to breach a door. Um, So I hit the door with a Ram and it went through the door cause the door is a crappy quality door. Um, And then I booted it kicked it open and I just went in with my gun and just went in, rushed in. And there's, there's, there's a gang bangers and we're trying to find a gun and stuff. So definitely not smart. And afterwards they're like, what are you doing, dude? Why didn't you, you bust the door open. You're supposed to back away and we let it breathe and we call everybody out. And that, I'm like, I don't know what happens when you see the movies, the cops kick in the door, you rush in. I thought that's what we were doing. And clearly there's breakdown and briefing and tactics, but um, shoot, I've, I've rushed in too many times, too many times of things where like, I should have waited for backup. Um, and I just go, um, I remember there's a barricaded subject at a domestic 
and I freaking went in the house by myself um, as a new cop. Um, and afterwards, my sergeant was like, dude, you could have gotten seriously hurt. Or in the jail, there was a guy being an a-hole and uh, wouldn't pass me his contraband. So I told the service tech to open the door and I went in and grabbed it myself. And um, the dude was sort of challenging me and I'm sort of thinking, all right, are we about to get down here? And it was all fine. And But later I found out his charges and I'm like, wow, that was that was a bad person to put myself in that spot with. So, yeah, I'd say as a general tendency, I, I rushed too much and I definitely got better at that when I got older and more experienced in the career. And that helped me train younger, younger people too, like newer people, at least. Um, hey, like, dude, you, there's time. Slow it down. Don't be a hero. There's hardly there's really rare events where you absolutely need to rush in right then. But those would be my biggest kind of mistakes that, that stand out to me. And thankfully, didn't get me hurt or anyone else hurt. Um, Slow so, down. Yeah. I was really go. hoping for uh, I was looking for Billy Madison uh, when he's like, I think it's towards the end of the movie where the guy's reading the, the book really fast. He's like, slow down. But I, I couldn't find it. Very disappointing. Right. You've seen Billy Madison, right? I know I you've have. Seen animal. OK, that's a that's a classic movie. My wife quoted the uh, back to school thing and my kids were like, what's that from? Hmm. It's like you uncultured kids. We need to. What at what age are kid can kids start watching Austin Powers and like Billy Madison and stuff? I don't know. Mm. I would say like 12, 13, right? I would. I mean, personally, I was allowed to watch anything I wanted from as young as I wanted. I didn't I didn't have the best mom. Uh, but uh I'm I think I turned out okay. But yeah, I was watching Pet Cemetery at like eight years old and oh my god, all those crazy movies. So my uh we couldn't watch Beavis and Butthead, which automatically like it's like the foreign thing so automatically I, I like strive to go find beavis and butthead wherever i could or uh metallica my mom wouldn't let me listen to metallica oh what lame come on mom metallica what's wrong with that apparently she thought it was devil worship i actually i got a quick oh. story if you got time for it about metallica please do i and i apologize i don't know if i shared it on the podcast i've done like a a hundred of these at this point sometimes i repeat shit i apologize but my mom went on this road trip and she comes back and she has this cassette tape and this is how old we are uh a cassette tape kids is this little thing you used to put in a cassette player and uh it would play it like a vhs it, it would play the thing but anyway she she hands it to me she's like it's really good it's a symphony and i look at it and it's the metallica snm the one we played in the symphony. And I said, mom, this is Metallica. You won't let me listen to Metallica, but you're listening to Metallica. She's like, oh, this is Metallica. I didn't know. I just thought it was a symphony. And mm. so that was actually, that record got me into Metallica. So I was kind of a late bloomer when it came to Metallica. I listened to that once through and I was like, this is fucking amazing. And the rest is history. How old were you then? Uh, God, I probably was 14. Mm, okay yeah i was uh i'm i was abused as a child not like physically but because i couldn't listen metallica until i was fucking 14 or 15 i'm not bitter at all by the way <laughs> uh that's funny my first love was uh corn at 13 years old i uh you know it's funny i i have this old clipping from like the student newspaper in high school and i was a freshman and they like just interviewed random kids and uh, my favorite band my freshman year was Corn. Ah, that's funny. I just saw them live like three days ago. They're Are still... they still good? 
Dude, there's oh yeah, they're still rocking. I, two of the members are, have been replaced, but I, I'm not even a big fan of their music anymore. Like I've, I've gravitated more toward death metal, but they're they're still good, and it, there's nostalgia behind it. Like oh man, I listened to that album 20, 20 years ago. That's crazy to think about, dude. Does that make you feel old? Yeah, I don't. It makes me uncomfortable that like we probably came up around the same time with like corn and like biscuit and oh, yeah. Lincoln park and you know, like even mud veins old now, you know, mud vein. I just saw them too, like a couple weeks ago and they're old as hell. But yeah. I heard Chad gray doesn't have it anymore. Dude. The, the, the guy is out of shape. <laughs> just leave it to me to notice you that. Send right. him a message. Hey, have you thought about fit responder? No. And uh, yeah, he was just like on stage is this weird part of the concert dude where he had a huge stream of snot hanging out his yeah. nose and he just like let it hang i'm like bro stop singing for a second just hmm, wipe that thing somewhere and it was so oh, gross man. to watch uh otherwise good show it's cool to see them back together and it definitely brought back memories but yeah he's he's, he's gone a little downhill in some degrees i suppose yeah i uh i really liked hell yeah which if you know, you know about Hell Yeah, right? Had that Vinnie Paul on drums and stuff. Was that his side project? Yeah, dude. They, yeah. Hell Yeah, the first couple records were really fucking fucking solid shit. I don't, I haven't really listened to him since, since that point. But yeah, Mudvayne, you know, they broke up or whatever. And then I, I've seen some YouTube videos of them playing recently. And I'm like, he's not, he's not looking so hot. I mean, it's almost like, uh, what's his fuck from uh, Motley Crue? Uh, Vince Neil, man, that guy's, <laughs> that guy needs Fit Responder. Those <laughs> they live hard lives, man. They're on the road. They I don't know what substances they're using, and definitely it's. I mean, how often do you see fit bands like the singer of As I Lay Dying is pretty freaking yoked. He's jacked, but uh, it's hard to it's you. It's rare to see band members who are actually fit. Yeah, I I would think in a career like that where you're on the road and in theory, you know, especially you play in a headlining set and an hour and a half to two hours. That's, I mean, that fucking wears you out uh, playing that long. You got to think that they're trying to stay in some amount of shape, but some of them don't. I mean, how is fucking Mick Jagger and, uh, oh, what the fuck's his name? Um, the guitar player of Rolling Stones. I can't think. How are those dudes alive? Pretty, yeah, pretty amazing man. with how hard they live, you know? Yeah, it's crazy. Um, all right, we should probably get more on track here. What do you think the proudest moment of your policing career is? Oh man, good question. Put me on the spot. Um, I mean, I'm proud of a lot of my personal accomplishments. I felt like anything I set to to do or an assignment I wanted, I pretty much was able to earn it. And I'm not trying to sound like a d bag there. I just felt like, you know, I have pretty good work ethic, and um, I'm proud of those things. Um, but I mean, moments. I really appreciated the small moments as a cop and, um, you know, just the gestures of like, Hey, like somebody found your wallet and I kind of searched the name and I figured out where you lived and here you go. Like, Oh my gosh, you're the best. Um, little things like that, uh, were pretty big. I mean, you know, I, I, one time I saved an inmate from hanging herself. Um, and, uh, somehow her, family found out who who it was or me and wrote me a letter and and said uh you know I really want to thank you for doing that I thought that was really cool um it always felt really great to get uh 
noticed by superiors. So this is a good note for anybody who's of rank listening is that like, I think it means a lot as a cop. If, if somebody who's superior, a higher rank or whatever says like, Hey, I noticed you did a really great job on this. And uh, you know, here's a commendation or even just a verbal attaboy. Uh, that stuff made me feel really good. So it's hard. Like I don't have any big, I wish I had a cool story of like, Oh wow. I ran in the burning building and, um, to be quite honest, this may sound weird, but I always wanted to be that guy. I wanted to be the guy that like ran in and, and shot the active shooter in the face. Or I wanted to be the guy who just was the ultimate hero. I mean, I really wanted that. I wanted that for my ego, I suppose. And I just wanted to be that knight in shining armor and never really happened to any significant degree. But yeah, I did like the moments where, you know, the citizens appreciated, or I had a supervisor who appreciated it, And I'm definitely proud of the the jobs I got and the, I think the work ethic I had, I think pretty much the people I worked for would probably tell you that uh, I always did a good job. So yeah, I mean, overall, I'm definitely very proud of my career for sure. Yeah, that is, um, that's really what it's all about. You know, it, yeah, we all want to be there for that big moment. And, you know, hopefully if you're in that moment, you can step up and do what you got to do. But when people call 911, it's the most important thing in their lives. And, you know, you can help somebody out no matter how small. I mean, I like the, the wallet thing. How many cops are just fucking tossing that shit into evidence and moving on? Right. Yep. No, exactly. Yeah. Just, just going a little bit of the extra mile and people appreciate that shit a lot. They notice it, you know, like I remember I found a runaway and uh, the, the dad even said like, man, you put in a lot of effort for that. And I really, cause I told him, Hey, at first I went here and I found out she went here and then I went here and then I called this person and, you know, I, I could have dropped it probably at any point. It's been like, you know, who knows where she's at now, but, and I'm just going to write my report, but I found her and he was super duper duper grateful. And, you know, maybe I spent an extra hour on the call. Um, but you know, I had the time. It wasn't like we were backed up on calls and the, uh, you know, just be a little bit more thorough when you have the opportunity. And I think it can go a long way for sure. If, um... <laughs> I probably sound like such a tool right now, but uh, anyways, it's how I feel. But no, it's cool, man. I, to add on to that really quick, that I wanted to talk about the supervisor thing too, and not to toot my own horn, but I would try and I wasn't always great at it. Um, but if I saw somebody go above and beyond, not what they were supposed to do, but just something extra. Do you know who everybody's boss is? Send their Sarge a message. Send their lieutenant message. Hey, I saw so-and-so. They did this. They didn't have to do this. It was really cool. It's important that people get the recognition. And, it, you know, we don't do it for, like, or you shouldn't be doing it for the pats on the back. But it feels good, right? Like, actually oh, yeah. knowing you did something, it, it, it feels good, right? Just don't be a fucking blue falcon. And why I'm on that. Uh, I mentioned this on a couple podcasts and I, I want to mention it again and I'll put a post on the page, but pretty soon here, I'm getting ready to fire up the uh, officer of the podcast again. And it's super simple. You have somebody out, you know, your partner, somebody you work with, you know, maybe somebody in a neighboring agency that does something cool that they're not being recognized by the department or hell, I don't even care. Maybe they are being recognized by the department, but they deserve recognition. Email me, send me a message on Instagram or Facebook and say, hey, this is so-and-so, they did this awesome thing, here's the story behind it, and potentially they could be on the podcast as the officer of the podcast. We'll read their story, and I will send them out a very special gift from me and some friends. It's not a lot, but it's it's something, 
Uh, and I mentioned this a couple podcasts ago and not to be a dick, but I've been kind of o- underwhelmed by how many people responded. I know how many people listen to the podcast. I know you guys know people are out there doing a good thing. Take five minutes, send me a message so we can take care of people. All right. Mm-hmm. That's cool, man. I love that idea. Yeah. I mean, it just, it, I know how much it annoyed me that I, I felt like I was going out there and doing shit or I'd see my, my friends doing this great shit and, you know, it's like that, you know, what have you done for me lately kind of thing. And people just, you know, forget. And uh, it's nice to be recognized a little bit being thanked yeah. for your service, so to speak. Um, Holy. Would you want your kids to be cops? Oh, man, that's a tough question. You know, what I've noticed, too, is that the definition of cop and what it entails can mean anything. You guys got, you know, I'm working with, let's say, a guy who's in a gang-ridden area, and he responds to multiple shootings per shift. He's getting into a fight every week. Um, that would It would honestly scare me yeah, if one of my kids was in that environment because he could be the best cop in the world and just have something terrible happen. But um, Or it could mean, you know, being a cop could also mean, you know, you respond to one call a week <laughs> or you're a, an S, a, a school resource officer and you're just at a kind of... I don't know. Like I I want my kids to be happy. I want them to feel fulfilled and I don't want them to feel like work is work. And and if my biggest thing is I want them to be of some service to someone else. Cause I truly believe that like for most people to be fulfilled, like I said earlier, is you have to have impact. Like you have to know I'm changing lives for the better, even if it's in small ways. Like, I don't know, like my, my stepdaughter loves cosmetology. She wants to do hair. But if she gets a um, a kick out of somebody saying, wow, like I look freaking awesome. I'm so happy. I can't wait to go to prom. Well, cool. That can be fulfilling for her. And, and that's what she loves to do. And it doesn't feel like work and she's serving others and she's making an impact. I would be totally cool with that. So for me, it's not about income or, or uh, but it, it's, it's more about, or, or titles, I should say too. It's not about titles or income. It's more about like, um, are they happy? Are they making an impact? Do they feel fulfilled? Does their work feel like work? And and I feel so bad because there's a lot of guys that I'll talk to are just like, this This job is miserable. I'm doing it for the paycheck and the benefits, but I don't want to be a cop anymore. Don't like it. I've heard that many times. Um, so I guess to answer your question and, and try not to be so long-winded, look, if my one of my kids ended up being a cop and they're like, I love the job. I feel great going into work every day. It excites me. I couldn't imagine doing anything else. Well, then that's what they need to do. Like, I think we're all kind of called to something. Um, but yeah, of course, like I think as any parent, it would uh, worry me if they were in a very dangerous area and I'd probably prefer they'd be a cop in a less dangerous area, but um, that's my answer. What do you think? I mean, you're a dad. Holy shit. You turned it around on me. Uh- yeah. I'm of the personal opinion that do what makes you happy and yep. as long as it doesn't hurt anybody else. And I, I think there's a caveat to that, that, you know, like if, if I wasn't making, you know, enough money doing this, we'll do what makes you happy. Okay. But I have four kids, you know, that there has to be like a balance to that where you can't just do whatever the fuck you want uh, and not have any responsibility. So th- there's my little disclaimer there, but I, I think, you know, it's your life and it's your your choice to go do what you're going to do as long as you can support yourself. So yep. um, personally, would I want them in like some inner city area being a cop for people that don't fucking want them there anyway? No, I don't. 
Um, but if they are happy doing that, that's that's not for me to tell them what to do. So I could go on a tangent all about all that because you brought up a good point. There's there's areas of the country and not to say that it can't be dangerous because it absolutely can be dangerous because, you know, we were talking about the guy earlier that, you know, he didn't expect any problems. And there it was. Anytime you put the uniform on, no matter where you are in the country, there's a reason you wear a bulletproof vest. There's a reason you carry a gun. Yeah, there's always a chance for violence and there's always a chance for it to be dangerous. But let's be honest here. Some places. Not as much. And yeah. so, and, and honestly, I think those folks in those parts of the country actually want their law enforcement there and they actually support their law enforcement where some of these other parts of the country, as far as I'm concerned, they can go fuck themselves. They can go kill each other. I don't care. I'm yeah. not salty at all. <laughs> no, not at all. Um, but yeah, as far as happiness in the career, it really depends now. Cause I, like I work with lots of cops every day. I talk, talk to and work with cops all over the country it has every like the happiness about the job is as everything to do with how what do the citizens generally think of you? What is admin doing with you? Um, you know, what are your work hours? Are you getting mandated constantly? Do you like the role that you have? Um, those are the biggest things, because when people say still love my job, well, it's because they have good partners. Um, they feel like they're of some value to a lot of the citizens there. And, you know, their admin is kind of treating them right. Um, and they they like the dynamic of their gig. I mean, so it's not like law enforcement is doomed everywhere. It's been a bad trend over the last few years in a lot of ways, but it really is kind of case dependent on those factors for sure. Absolutely. I have probably the most important question besides shitting your pants. Mm. What do you think the best patrol car is of all time? Oh, uh, Crown Vic. Are you saying that just to make me happy? Or do you actually believe it? You know, I didn't even remember that that's your preference. And now that we're speaking about it, yes, I remember seeing different memes and whatnot. But yeah, we went from Crown Vicks to Tahoe's. And I felt like I was driving a freaking boat. And I'm like, there's no turning on this thing. Like, parking sucked. Uh, And I'm a big guy. I'm 6'2". And as a cop, I was, you know, usually like 230 pounds and plus all my gear. So... I still liked the Crown Vic, just the maneuverability and, uh, you know, it had pretty good pickup at least. And um, the switch to the Tahoe, I was not a fan of. So uh, I don't know. I haven't, I haven't tried any of the other ones. I know that the Charger is a popular one out there and stuff. But no, I mean, with my experience, uh, definitely the Crown Vic for sure. I will say it's it is really funny watching the dynamic of my page change over the because poorly made's been around for four years now. Um mm. man, a couple of years ago, fucking people love the Crown Vic memes. And you know, now that I have a, a few of the new newer guys on, they're like, fuck the crown vics, they're so old, they're not cool. And uh man, you kids just have no respect, man. New no respect for the oldies, man, but that's all right, you'll learn. Yeah. Yeah, and like, you know, you recognize the headlights in your rear view, and you're like, oh, there's my partner. I don't know. There's something nostalgic about it, too. Um, but yeah, the, and well, and I, I can, I'm sure if they were driving one of those relic Crown Vicks that had 200,000 miles on it and, uh, you know, could, couldn't start and the AC doesn't work, maybe I could see why they like whatever their newer units are. But no, it's a good car. It is. I, 
I audibly uh, exclaimed the other day, I was taking my kid home from football and we we're driving through the middle of fucking nowhere. And I don't know if it was in service or not, but I saw that crown Vic and I, I got a little excited. So that was a little embarrassing, but that's okay. Yep. Well, buddy, we've come to the end of the podcast. Do you have any words of wisdom for all the millions of listeners out there? No, I just, I hope you enjoyed it. Um, you know, fitness of course is my passion. And, uh, you know, I just want, I want everyone to take a, an honest look um at yourself and 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 if you're a first responder try to be real with yourself like are you really in a spot where you you ought to be fitness health body wise for, for work and for family and for life and um you know I, I can only tell you that the benefits of getting fit um are always greater and more vast than you anticipate like i think people anticipate oh yeah i'll look a little bit better or maybe i'll feel better like no like it's an eye-opening experience. If you're out of shape to get fit, get healthy and be able to maintain that, it, it opens up a lot of doors. So I've seen it in myself, my own, and I never got into that with you. I used to be overweight and have, and have high blood pressure, but uh, as a deputy, but uh, anyways, yeah, I just encourage all of you to take an honest look at yourself and uh, make changes if you need to. And then just real quick, you want to tell all the people out there how to find you? Yeah, sure. So Instagram is at fit.responder. I own the at fit responder as well, but I just haven't done anything with that page. It's um, actually acquired it from somebody else. Um, so at fit.responder, you can go to fitresponder.com. Both of those have links to our free Facebook group. We have a Facebook group in there called First Responder and Family Fitness by Fit Responder. And that's where I put a lot of like free tips, videos, guides, I have a lot of free PDFs and handouts and, uh, you know, first responder fitness ebook and recipe guide and um, even even a back saving guide if you have back issues. So I definitely put out a lot of free content and uh, I do post my own memes and try to keep it an interesting mix of fun stuff if you're a first responder cop or not. So please do check us out. All right. Well, thanks a lot, man. And uh, everybody listening, go fucking go check out Fit Responder. Go check out Ted and his wonderful mustache. And do all the fine things you guys do to support the podcast, whether it's taking care of fine folks like Fit Responder, buying awesome merch, or being a monthly donor. With that said, remember, it's all bullshit. Don't be fat. And I love most of you. Bye-bye. <laughs> Bye, everyone. <laughs>